Hey friends, welcome to the Lucky Few podcast where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with Down syndrome. This is Heather here and today we have a fun and unique episode for you. Mercedes, Micah, and I got to join a group of lovely ladies for a live hangout with our dear friend, Jessica Pate. Jessica is the founder of an organization called We Are Brave Together. We Are Brave Together is a nonprofit that focuses on strengthening, encouraging, inspiring, and validating all special needs moms. So we got to get together with her and a handful of other moms who have kids with disabilities and special needs and have a really great time together. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. Our sponsor this week is Jonas Paul Eyewear. They are on a mission to help kids feel beautiful and confident in their glasses. With at-home try-on kits that cost only a dollar and prescription glasses starting at $79, including prescription lenses, Jonas Paul Eyewear is the place to go for glasses for your child and your teen. Visit JonasPaulEyewear.com to learn more. So I think this, like all of us being in this space right now makes a lot of sense what we want to talk about tonight because we titled this time together. So everything's going wrong. Now what? Because the entire world is struggling right now and every parent, regardless of their kids' abilities, is struggling right now. And I think for all of us, mamas of kids who already require so much extra Every need and challenge in our lives is just magnified right now. And then, and so we're all just moving because that's easy. <laughs> so we just want to talk through that with all of you. And we, we're going to tell stories. We're going to share about what we're learning along the way tonight. And our ultimate hope is that we can encourage you and remind you that you, friends, are enough for this moment. And so is your perfect kid. And I want to say too, and we say this on our podcast, that we are not experts in any regard. We don't claim to know more than anyone that we're having a conversation with ever. We are just three parents who are doing the best we can and processing that with each other and anyone who will listen. Um, And so we just want to preface that as well. And yesterday when we were, when I was talking to Mike and Mercedes a little bit more and wrap, like tightening up what it was that we wanted to share with you. I was on Instagram scrolling along as people do, and there was this poem that came up that felt so timely for me. Remember there was about three hours yesterday where I thought I was moving for a week, in a week, and homeless for five weeks by my choice, (laughs) sort of. (laughs) But on top of everything, um, school just started for us, which I'll talk a little bit about. My middle daughter goes to a Spanish dual immersion school, a charter school that started two weeks ago. And... My son and daughter who have Down syndrome go to our community school. My daughter just started junior high and they started on Thursday. And sometimes I cuss, but I'll just spell it out. It is an SHIT show right now in our home. And then it's all compiled on what is happening to every person, right? And then you layer that on top of having a child with a disability. 
and then you layer that on top of name it. There's so many things. So this poem came up by this um, poet called Morgan Harper Nichols. Suggest heading on social media or any anywhere and searching for her. She has books and she's just an insane talent. And it spoke to my soul and especially as a mother raising children with disabilities. So I thought of all of you and I'm going to read this poem to all of you right now. And then we're going to go forward. We have four scenes that we've created to share tonight and we're going to go scene by scene and get us to a place where hopefully everyone leaves feeling a little fuller a little lighter a little more able to do the thing that we have to do no matter what and to be able to do it with a little more joy so here is this poem by morgan harper nichols she writes remember the mountains already behind you remember the mornings you already made it through Remember the unexpected change that made you stronger. Remember any little thing that reminds you it's worth it to hang on longer. For in this life, you will find winding paths through endless rows of trees. And you will also find when you get to the river, the unknowns do not keep you from knowing peace. The water is still flowing. You are still growing. You are not out of sight of endless, boundless, glorious light. You have already come so far. Trust. For these new unknowns, you are more prepared for the journey than you think. So moving forward, we're going to, I'm going to have everybody put on your imagination caps, if you will, if that's something that you remember how to do in childhood. And think about this, the, the next, our next minutes together, our next moments together. Think about a situation or a play in which you are the heroine of your story that's unfolding right now. And this play, things begin to go wrong in scene one. And by scene four, all sanity has gone out the door. Maybe some of you tonight are on scene 10 and things are still feeling a little bit nutty. And also somewhere in there, you the, hero, you the hero, you realize that you are more prepared for this than you ever thought. And there have been so many layers, like we were mentioning before, to these long five months of pandemic. So let's start at the beginning of one. We're calling things are hard, now what? Things are hard, now what? Thing one. I want you guys to picture a year ago this week, I took Ace, my then four and a half year old with Down syndrome, to his yearly checkup at the Down syndrome clinic. After a summer of just the most ridiculous sleeping issues I'd ever experienced as a mom. He was waking up every night for two to three hours laughing and jumping on the bed <laughs> and everything I tried to do I laid on top of him <laughs> I closed locked every door and just tried to go back to sleep with pillows over my head I um, gave him deep massage you know we did it all right every night I take him to this doctor's appointment knowing in my gut what the doctor was going to say because it had been a year and a half since all the books, all the Down syndrome books 
had told me it was time for him to start talking. And there was always a reason, you know, well, his, his ears have been stopped up. Once he gets the tubes in his ears, he just hasn't been able to hear well. And we're going to, he'll start to catch on. He'll start to, to get some speech. And I had watched solely even the signs that he had had, the animal signs we used to do together when he read books, just kind of dissolve before my eyes. And I knew going into this appointment, she's going to say that I need to get him tested for autism. And when she said it, I held it together. I knew, but man, I got in the car and just sobbed my eyes out. Like, I think I had had all those years to, to know, like, this is what Down syndrome means. Like, these are the things that he can still do. He has Down syndrome, but I know what a, a life of like flourishing is going to look like for him. And just clinging to hope after hope that um, speech was just a little delayed and it was going to come. And it was a little bit like a, a slamming door on that dream for me as I drove away from that appointment. A month later, no, three weeks later, we got in pretty fast. I, I got the actual diagnosis. And a couple of days before that diagnosis, Ace and I fell down some stairs. And my, I, I'm actually pretty proud, my instinctual mother skills, like I grabbed that kid's head while we were falling down backwards and boom, totally saved him from, um, you know, brain smashing. But the brain that got smashed was mine. So I tried to rest for a couple of days, jumped back into things, got this autism diagnosis, and uh, my concussion symptoms just kept coming back stronger and stronger and stronger. I would try to get back at things and I was so fuzzy that I would bang my head over and over for months. And this was the, the, the catalyst for the past year leading up to COVID because I still had the fuzziness, the concussion feelings, the banging of my head every time I crawled to like sweep up crumbs. Um, and that turned into months of migraines and me in bed where I had gone from this, like, I am going to save him. I, he's got a dual diagnosis, but if I get these interventions, if I can be super mom, if I can drive him to a few more therapies, if I can like do this literacy program I paid for, you know, that I don't need to print these books out, we're going to be okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to make it the best possible scenario of a kid having autism and Down syndrome. And those migraines would throw me back into bed. And the most I would be able to do is let him crawl on top of me and like seeing itsy bitsy spider with him. And, and how am I supposed to save him? How am I supposed to be super mom when I can't get myself out of the bed? And now it's March and the world is on fire. There's a pandemic and I'm not even getting him the intervention he needs. It's all online and I'm still having these migraines in bed. What do you do when you're the super mom and you've always tried to be the super mom 
And you're going to save your own kid by just sacrificing everything, right? And suddenly you're the one that needs to be taken care of. Mercedes, scene two. Oh, man. So a week before... A week before lockdown, we were in the hospital with our sunflower. She had pneumonia and um, another virus, blinking on the name. And um, I was at home with our three kids. So usually I'd be the one to go with sunflower to the hospital. But my husband had to because I have a nursing baby. So he was in the hospital. I was with our three boys at home, and the word was trying to get out. There's a pandemic. And I don't know if you guys remember, you guys obviously remember, it felt like the apocalypse. Like, <laughs> it felt like we need to be scared. There's literally everybody sick, and you're going to get it. Like, it was so scary. And we are new for about a year. We've lived in Redland, so I'm fairly new. So I have like a handful, Heather being one of them, of people to like call on. But our church, our newer church came around us and I was being taken care of, but it was still really scary to be so new and to have my daughter in the hospital with pneumonia and plus a hospital during a pandemic, a COVID, like it's illness. That's the last place I want my husband there or sunflower with a lung issue. It was frightening and it didn't seem like we were going to stop anytime soon. I remember feeling frantic, heavy, and a little hopeless. I remember feeling like Sunflower's there. She's got pneumonia. She's for sure going to also get COVID. She recovered after six days. She came home, but then needed to be on oxygen for two weeks, 24 seven. Now my daughter's pretty spunky. And as soon as she got home, she ripped that mask right off and didn't wear it <laughs> the whole time. It was frightening, but just her being home, like being home, took care of her, she wore her mask at night because her oxygen would dip at night. But during the day she was able to run around and I remember feeling the sense of like, I have a whole new view on home. You know, when COVID started, our home really became our shelter. And I'm constantly having to remind myself to keep going because it, it feels like a hamster wheel and I'm not getting that through. So I gotta keep going. What's so interesting is hearing both the stories is you know, as parents, there's a sense of keep going and it looks so different. And so how do you lean in? Like with Micah, you know, I think that's a big question that we're finding ourselves asking more and more. And I can look back at when my eldest daughter, she, she had so many health issues and she came home and there were moments that, you know, it's like that day by day, minute, sometimes minute by minute, how are we going to get through this? Um, and not, and not just because parenting's hard, but because, we're dealing with life and death situations with kids who have medical issues or um, we're dealing with larger issues when we have a kid with a disability in these scenarios. So the, 
question is, right? We've got COVID hitting, Mike is in bed with a concussion that will not go away. Ace isn't getting the things that he needs. Um, Sunflower had, had been in the hospital while Mr. was be home nursing a newborn baby. And so how do we lean in to this kind of difficulty and this kind of pain to make us stronger for ourselves and our kids? I'm sure all of you have ways, but maybe some of you are like me too, even this far into where we're at in the pandemic situation, that I mostly still just have a bad attitude about it. And, um, and the leaning in and how do we lean in? How, what does that look like? Yeah. And I think, I think that a lot of us have, have experienced a little more of that this summer as we have been trying to reimagine what summer is supposed to be. So why don't we put our imagine caps, imagination caps back on? <laughs> and let's move on to scene two. Scene two, things are still hard. And now summer is here. <laughs> and summer is not looking like the summer you were looking forward to all year. Because you can't fly to Iowa to visit your 90-year-old grandmother. And <laughs> that special anniversary trip with the hubs that you'd been planning for the past year and a half to Hawaii is canceled, along with everything else that's been canceled. And uh, what does it mean to enter into the struggle of summer when it's not the summer you thought it was going to be? Hmm. What does that mean to you guys, Heather or Mercedes? I know for us we decided to i homeschool so we just kept homeschooling and i focused on outdoor activities as much as possible a lot of summer books and crafts i just basically needed a routine for myself because i would wake up and be like okay we literally can't go anywhere but the beach or on a hike and i have little ones so that feels very daunting after like the third day I'm exhausted. So I just kept going with our curriculum and I just stuck to a year round schedule. And I think that's also maybe why I don't want to start school. I'm just kind of tired of school. <laughs> I have no, no more lesson plans. <laughs> no, I have some, but um, my creativity is being stretched because there hasn't been a moment, you know, there's no stop. So that's my plan that we are gonna just keep on keeping on with school and that's what we did and it's worked really well for us. I focused a lot more on chores. I'm telling you, I went into like little house in the prairie mode. I'm like, this is our homestead and we are hunkering down. We have roles to fill here. And uh, that's worked for us, and it's been kind of fun. But most of all, I've really seen in Sunflower, who's my daughter who has Down syndrome, a real independence and a real know-how. I think actually not having a lot of things on our schedule has really allowed her, I don't know, to grow on her own pace and to grow really in the areas of like life skills, you know, which has been, I think as the oldest and and the only girl, I, think, I feel that confidence in her. And I feel like she's grown in confidence. Um, she desires to help 
even when it's not very helpful. Don't tell her, not very helpful. She desires to help. And um, I really, I don't know, I've been really impressed with how much she stepped up within our family chores and things around the house. And I felt more encouraged to let her do that because what else would we be doing? We're not moving, we're not going, or we are moving, but we're not going to appointments. We're not, the day is not moving really fast. So the just be in this home and in this summer has been really nice, I think, for sunflowers growth. Yeah. And I, it's just funny because all, all of our kids are so different and we're all so different. And so the Avis family is a go family. Last summer, 20, 2019, remember, remember back in 2019? <laughs> 2019, we were only home two weeks in the whole summer. And so we just, that's what we like to do. And the kids do too. And it, we have our moments, a lot of moments that are incredibly challenging, but it's the choice that we make to do that. And so the adjustment for us to be home, it just felt like a big adjustment for us. My oldest daughter is an extrovert through and through my, who has Down syndrome, my younger son who also has Down syndrome. I mean, he is living his best life, COVID. He's like in his room, happy as can be, you know, don't just hit, he and his toys and his family, that's all he needs in life. He's so happy. We'll go to the beach for the day and, and halfway through the day, he's like, can we just go home? Like, oh my gosh, we've literally been home for 60 days. Like, no, we're at the beach today, son. You're gonna suck it up. Um, so it's just a different, I, say, I share that because it's just such different experiences and personalities and, needs and things that we can access and things that we can't access. And this scare that, you know, this underlying idea that COVID, COVID is going to affect people with disabilities at a higher rate than it is people without disabilities. And where do our kids fall into that? And it's just the weight felt unbearable. And so for us, what we did is just make big decisions, like how we decide to buy a house from a yard sale. So we got a dog, we got a COVID dog. <laughs> and we've been wanting a dog for a super long time, for years and years. But like I shared, we're, go, we're a go, go, go family. And having a puppy and having a dog, you have to be home. So I look at my sweet dog. She came home March, I don't know, a day in March. And <laughs> I'm so thankful. And I would not have had her otherwise, because you really, and if you have a puppy, you got to be home all the time for this puppy until, until you don't. Um, but even now that we can be home with her and that that's been a gift that I have to remind myself because I, like I shared with you guys in all honesty, my attitude still really sucks about everything happening. I I'm in and out. I'm a, it is the roller coaster called Avis family on, um, during a pandemic. And some of you may be on that roller coaster. Others, it's a little less bumpy, more like a carousel. Mine is a roller coaster. <laughs> but I love our dog. Her name is Maybe. She's so sweet. And then we did this really sweet thing with my family because we're supposed to go to Iowa to see my grandma who's 91. No, she's not. She's 96. And that couldn't happen <laughs> for lots of reasons. And so my sister, I have two sisters and we went up to my parents' house in the local mountains and we made our own little family camp and we did like matching t-shirts and itinerary and it was just four days and we all got COVID tested before we gathered together, um, all the adults did. And those kinds of things, that's almost like it, something like what's happening right now forces your hand 
That's what I felt. It forces you into another space. And so for me, it's the roller coaster of I find myself sometimes just only frustrated and then other times so grateful for a puppy dog who has been such a sweet gift that would not have happened without COVID or this family camp that was such a sweet gift that would not have happened without COVID. So it's important for me when we're talking about leaning in to remember those things and to hold them quite tightly with both fists and have them a part of my thoughts as often as possible. Mm. Part of my leaning in. I love that. And I think that it, it just re- occurs to me that this is something that we, as moms of kids with disabilities, know how to do, mm-hmm. how to lean into something new, how to believe that something that is different can still be absolutely wonderful. And, you know, I think that this, this COVID summer has, has pushed us probably to new spaces of, of what it means to lean in in that way. But, you know, just like how Mercedes has turned into the homesteader um, and made her house into Little House on the Prairie or the people who have gone on road trips that they never intended to go on or, um, you know, having your first cousin's camp like Heather, um, making summer still wonderful but different and finding new ways to embrace this constant togetherness, recognizing that different can still be wonderful. That's right. And so that's the end of scene two. And we're going into scene three, three, which is about school. So bless us all. <laughs> By a show of hands or like a thumbs up. And this is what all the teachers are doing right now. So stay on mute, but just show your hand. That's right. You got you to gotta do your video. You got to unmute yourself. Can you mute yourself? Can you unmute yourself? Mute yourself. <laughs> hey, Giovanni, you got to mute yourself. This is like all day. This is happening. Who started school? Who's in school? Oh, you guys. Okay. Sarah might have some better news for you, but let's just head to scene three where now we're in school and all I long for is a COVID summer in which I needed out of the COVID summer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it's what's happening, what I have found happening, and this was prior to my kids starting school, but as we've been, as things are unfolding, I think most of us are in California not everybody is. Districts are different, but most California, I think, is the same. But everybody's having to shift and adjust. And I think that when it comes to our education systems, my experience has been that people with disabilities are already thought of secondary. The system wasn't built with our kids in mind. It's not a broken system. It wasn't built for our kids. So if we're going to completely shift the system, then it doesn't feel surprising that it's shifting in a way in which our kids are not, kids with disabilities are not being considered. Um, I know that's not the case for everyone, but I find that to be the most common story. And so I think I see already with my kids who have Down syndrome, the, the struggle that is distance learning for them that I don't see for my child who is neurotypical and able-bodied. And the way that distance learning is set up is a magnifying glass on the disparities that already existed within the education system, whether that's disability or financial, socioeconomic, or a single mom, or I, obviously this is a soapbox I can stand on for a long time, but I'm going to pass it over to Micah, because what do we do? What do we do? And this can be an open discussion at some point, 
maybe it'll turn into a therapy session for me. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But what do we do? What are things looking like right now? Micah Boyette. (laughs) Well, I can tell you that for me, part of this major life transition that we're choosing is uh, recognizing as like as we spent the past year really struggling with should we be staying in San Francisco, a major factor was the fact that we had all this family support on the East Coast and we knew how much more funding there is for special education in New York State, in New Jersey. And the more research I did, the more I was astounded. And so it was a combination of those things that led us to this point of choosing to make this move. And, and so, you know, I'm this, I'm one of those people who's choosing to move my family across the country right now. Um, and of course, this was like this decision we were making prior to the pandemic, but it was stalled for a little bit in lockdown. It all kind of came into to motion this summer. And, and as we are in that process, there's so much up in the air because every school district is different, you guys know, and you can't talk to a school district about their opinions and their quirks and what it, when it comes to placement and IEPs and inclusion be, because they're not going to talk to you until you have an address, until you are registering your child in that school. And so, you know, my husband and I are doing the like, Facebook searches for the school district mo- like parent group and like excuse us hi like what's the school district like and and then we're working on the address part we're um, waiting to find out if this offer we made on a house is going to come through and and then you know maybe by the end of this week we'll have an address and but you know like there's all those questions of how do you choose a house in in the right school district how what, what will happen once he's enrolled? Will we just be Zooming with strangers instead of Zooming at least with like people we knew before in San Francisco? And, uh, you know, this moment in time of, of jumping into what it's going to look like for him to have a new IEP and, and be in a new place. It's, it's all such a transition. It's, it's all such kind of a shot in the dark and trusting and, and hoping, but it's, it's wild. <laughs> Heather, you shared a tiny bit about what school has been like for the past couple of days. You told us today that tomorrow you're probably quitting school forever. Is that right? I mean, we're laughing. But it's not. <laughs> I, and maybe everyone's going to have a really great experience. That's my hope and prayer and wish for all of you. And I don't mean to be a downer, but the reality is distance learning doesn't work for my kids who have cognitive differences. So it won't work. And everyone, the educators are so incredible. I mean, my daughter, my daughter, my oldest daughter, Mason, so we were already, it was tricky because we were already transitioning into junior high. So she's going to sixth grade this year. And I just, that already, like just that as its own separate thing felt like more than my mama heart could even navigate and handle junior high. And then junior high with my daughter who is different and has a disability and has speech delays and has difficulty making friends. And I mean, all of the things. And then bless her case carrier at her school has 
28 kids on her caseload and then she teaches four different subjects and she has a first grader, a fifth grader and a fourth grader at home. I mean, it's, it's just, someone needs to just call it and just say, we're not going to do this until, I mean, I'll call it. We're not going to do this until we're back in, in person. And so then the conversation now is, and we're three days in, that's it. Thursday, Friday, Monday. How do we get a person, like they both have one-on-ones and on their, on their, in their IEPs and their one-on-one is in the zoom with them. And that's not helpful <laughs> at all. And they can't be in person. And so then it's like, well, we're going to put them in a separate, like they can pull out I'm like, well, okay. Then the amount of skills that need to be acquired by my child, my child to be able to get into that separate space to work with their one-on-one. I mean, who's, when are we going to teach that? You know, like that is, could take a year. I really, I've got, we're going to, we are going to turn here in a positive way, you guys. I promise I'm not just a downer. <laughs> but the question, the real question is, and I think as parents having kids with disabilities, we, we do this a lot. We measure the risk and the benefit of the things, the decisions we make for our kids, right? There's every decision, there's going to be some kind of a risk and there's going to be some kind of a benefit. And we decide what will benefit our kids most. When does the benefit outweigh the risk? And then we make a decision accordingly. And I feel right now, with distance learning the way that it is in California and in our district, the risk of the stress that is already happening within our home and, and it's like creating a more stressful environment overall and the risk of my kids being turned off to learning feels mm-hmm. greater to me than the benefit of them being online trying to figure this out. And so how much more time do I give it? I'm just really processing externally right now with you, with all you friends. Um, <laughs> But it's also, you know, as parents raising kids with disabilities, it's not, yes, this, this specific instance is unique, but this isn't the first time I've had to make these decisions for my kid, right? So it's not, the, it's not new in that regard. I mean, I can go all the way back to kindergarten if we want to look at school and preschool even, when similar decisions have had to be made or I've had to do that risk-benefit idea for my kiddos or surgeries or medications or trips that we've taken or i mean the list goes on and on so no i mean I, I guess that's part of my encouraging word to all of us is it's not anything that we're not already equipped to do right to make the right choice for our kid right now we're not equipped to work full-time jobs and be our kids teachers otpt speech one-on-one aid cafeteria lady that's real <laughs> um, <laughs> All of those things. So that's where we're at right now. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. And again, it, it's kind of always been a lot, you know? So I, um, I've written a couple of books and one of my things I say a lot is we do hard things. And at the, towards the beginning of the pandemic, I said, oh, well, that was rubbish. <laughs> my new motto is if it's hard, don't try. Like, don't listen anymore. <laughs> But I don't mean that. I say that joking and real cheeky because <laughs> we have to do the hard thing and we do the hard thing and we choose to do it over and over because it's what we do, right? It's what we do as moms who have kids with disabilities, as moms, period, as moms who have kids with disabilities, period. <laughs> so we'll see. I'll keep you all posted, all right, on what we decide to do. They will go to school tomorrow. But I told them that my husband and I can no longer take time off work to be side next to them. So they will log on and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> It'll be most fun with my six-year-old. 
in terms of what what happens once I leave the room. It'll be exciting at least. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about that, Heather. Like, since I'm a stay-at-home mom, that's my responsibility. Like, what about for moms who work? So you guys work for yourselves, you and Josh. So you get to be, everybody's at home, but you're used to working at home. But you're used to sending your kids to school and being able to work at home. So how has that looked like for you, being a working mom and full-time with the kiddos? It looks like a lot of multitasking. And it also, but the multitasking is creating a more stressful environment within the home in me, like in my person. And that is reflected in our home. And it looks like taking, not working. And so that can only last so long. So that, that was my email today to both my kids' IEP teams was my husband and I have both taken three days off work now to work alongside our, our kids for school because they need it. So when are you sending an in-person person? Because we can't take tomorrow off. And then that's, they've got all kinds of great ideas and theories in theory. Um, Can I interject with a question? I would love that. Okay. So, <laughs> hi. Hi. So I think, so we don't start school until the 31st. And so I think I'm like dreaming up, like, I hope they come up with some great idea. Cause they hinted that some of the kids with the highest needs, they might have some in-person ideas. My kids go to a charter. Anyhow, I'm curious, and maybe even from anybody else that has experience with this, like, what are the schools coming up with in ideas um, that they believe are going to solve this problem? Because, of course, you're not the only one. It's like, this is not going to work for my child. Yeah. So I don't know if you have any, like, what are those conversations that are happening from the school district? Yeah. I was on a, on a, what's it called, like a task force team this summer as a parent representative to discuss what all those scenarios would look like. So I've been talking with the school for our district for a while now, and everyone is making it up as they go. I mean, they're planning as best they can, but it's changing. I think that's part of the frustration is the goalpost is not sitting still. It's constantly moving. So we don't know where to aim the ball because the goalpost won't sit still. So, I mean, it, I think that in that case, it is like a school by school district by district. Um, but the way distance learning is set up in theory does not work for a child with a disability who needs additional support or younger kids. I don't think it works for kindergarten first, maybe second, I think third by third grade, possibly my fourth grader's awesome. She's good to go. She's slaying it at distance learning all, all on her own. We don't have to be a part of it at all, but I mean, specifically, the conversation now is that my oldest daughter's one-on-one. -on -one. Well, there's like a program that he will access her Zoom or Google Classroom. And so he is her, but distant. So yeah, all of the solutions, as long as we are apart, don't work. So some districts, they are, I've heard that what you're saying, that the most vulnerable students can start in person. But then that's a whole thing because then they're wearing masks and... Mm -hmm the whole thing. So again, I, my solution, honestly, I, I know I sound like I'm joking a little bit, but my solution is like, we call it and, and here's some supplemental stuff that all kids can do. And when we're ready to go back, let's go back because the stress of it for everyone involved, I think is too great a risk for the overall health of people and the education system. And I don't know what, other, I don't know what everyone's going to do. I'd like some 
some good solutions at some point. Yeah. And I was saying to Heather today that I feel like, you know, this is, this year is going to be a wash for everybody. If you pull your kid out of school, everybody else isn't really this. Everyone needs to redo this grade anyway. So I think it's in the big scheme of things. It's not going to be as big of a deal as it can feel like, oh my gosh, what if my kid has to redo this grade? Maybe a lot of kids are going to need to redo this grade. And maybe we can just kind of take that one off and make the most out of whatever our situation looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get to the good part of this play. Let's get to scene four, everybody. Are we ready? (laughs) Scene four. Everything is hard, but you're here and you are enough for this moment. I want to tell you about what I learned about self-care in this season of concussions and constantly re-injuring my head and migraines. I learned how to rest for the first time in my life. I learned how to let myself sleep for eight hours where I had been a performer my entire life. And the worst possible thing to me was to be somebody who needed to sleep, who didn't just get up early and make things happen before everybody else woke up. I learned that sometimes life forces you to stay in bed, even when you don't want to. And that doesn't mean it wasn't hard on everybody in my family. It doesn't mean that I um, haven't cried when my, I heard my boys saying things like, mom's always in bed to each other. But I, I think it also was a moment that was good. It was a lesson that was good. Because when I let myself stop and sleep, I had to embrace that uh, I'm not perfect and I can't do everything. And it's not my job to single-handedly save my children from whatever is, whatever monster it feels like is in front of them. I can't always be the one who slays the dragon. Mm. I had to embrace good enough parenting. And I think we've all had to embrace good enough parenting during this COVID season. And I know that when I tell that story, and I I can tell you honestly, that I literally, when quarantine hit and my husband was not leaving for work every day and was able to be home and I was able to sleep as long as I needed to, my concussion symptoms that had stayed with me for seven, six months or whatever it was, went away in six weeks. I still had the migraines, but that fuzziness went away just because I slept at night, just because I slept the eight hours I needed to sleep every day. Mm-hmm. And I know that not everybody can, can rely on a partner to do those things, to, to step in when you need to rest, when you need to heal, when you need to care for yourself. But I think we all, I know we all have people who love us. I know we all have people who want to take care of us. And, and I know that we can, when we're at our most vulnerable, we can choose to let ourselves sleep. It might take some work and it may be hard on everybody, um, but it's possible. And it's that goodness of taking care of ourselves, of finding a way forward to heal is uh, so significant 
in letting ourselves be able to slay the dragons in the future. It's so true. And I love how you talk about how you just talked about having somebody. And I think that I'm imagining that's part of what this group is. And even if it can't be in person, you know, that me too idea or that just being able to talk to other moms who have a similar experience, you know, it is gold, it is gold and it can help us get through things. And I want to share a moment I had while I have been on this roller coaster the last, I don't I mean, who knows how many days it's been around the house around the corner has been keeping track. I think it's 152. That's what it says on the sign outside their house. But I have, I have these moments and it's not just restricted to during a worldwide pan- pandemic. Um, it's been throughout my whole parenting journey and it's moments of worrying that I'm not doing enough for my kid mm-hmm. as a parent in general. And then as a parent with a child with a disability, when every space we step into, it is, this is all the things that you can do for your child to be whatever it is to have, oh, what's to make progress or to be more like their typical peers, which should not ever be the goal or whatever it is that people are trying to tell us. And this summer at a real low point, um, my oldest daughter, Mason, who is my greatest teacher in life, hands down. But she also can be my biggest stressor in life. And she will get, she's also a preteen. And, you know, when I, I have found with my children with disabilities, whenever they are entering a new phase, I don't know what's what. I don't know if the hard thing is their disability or their hard thing would be happening even if they didn't have a disability. So that's where we're at right now with my oldest daughter and preteen Bill. And um, she just was spent a whole day doing nothing, like sitting on the floor, listening to music, stimming, doing nothing. And I just said to my husband, I, I, I don't think, I don't know where he was. I text him. Maybe he was upstairs and I was downstairs. I don't know. But I text him and I just said, I can't, I can't. I need her to like read a sight word or I need her to do a math problem or I need her to do something besides sit on the floor for another day. I can't do it. I can't do it. And she needs to do more basically is what I was saying. And he just texted me back real gently. And he just said, Hey babe, Mason is a miracle. And like full stop. And it's so important to have people in our lives, whether it's a a spouse or someone else who loves you or someone on this zoom call to remind us that our kids as they are this very moment, not with more whatever, fill in the blank, right? Not with less fill in the blank, but who our child is this moment at this time is a miracle. I'm sure every single one of you have literally witnessed miracles with your kid. I can think to my daughter, we were told that she wasn't going to live past eight years old because of her, her medical issues. And, you know, we're, there's no, there's, she has no medical issues. She's totally healthy. There's nothing that we need to deal with in that regard. And I'm thankful for that. But if there were a hundred things that we still needed to work on in terms of her medical needs, she's still a miracle and today's a miracle. And so I, I can say that, um, and know it and believe it and hold on to it so tight because as I have said so many times, my attitude just sucks during this time and it is so hard and I stopped doing hard things. So this is a conflicting (laughs) issue. (laughs) but it's so hard. And even in the midst of the hard and 
no matter where you are at. It, our kids are freaking miracles. And the fact that we wake up every morning and we do the thing that we need to do to get to the end of the day and that we get to do that, we get to make it through a day. We're miracles. Like we are miracle workers, you know, as moms raising our kiddos and to take it back full circle to the beginning with that poem. Um, and the line that struck me the most, and I somehow will get this poem to all of you guys. Okay, Jessica, I'll send it to you. Like I'll type it out and we'll get it to everybody. But the line that really, really resonates with me is the line that says, remember any little thing that reminds you it's worth it to hang on longer. And I would bet that every person here can think of one to one million little things to hold on to, to remember so that you can remember that it's worth it to hang on just a little bit longer. And so those are the things that I, that I think about to help me hang on because we, dang it guys, we do hard things. <laughs> yes. I love that. I think reminding ourselves that our children are a miracle, whether they're doing successfully in this distance learning or not, whether they're able to attend their therapies or not, that in this time, they're miracles. I want to say real quick too, it's hard during these long days, these mundane things, days, and also during our world is like, caving in with all the big stuff black lives matter the ch children sex trafficking i mean it's like you go and you read there's so many things layering during this time that i feel like as moms we can also be in a panic and not even realize it like kind of like everything is disheveled we're in a panic and um i need these reminders i was on instagram and it was a beautiful quote that just reminded me that I love my children and God loves them first and he has them. And whatever this year looks like for our children, he has them. And that plan cannot be shaken by a pandemic. And I feel like I need that weight taken off of me. I need that reminder taken off of me that I'm not going to um, screw this up for them. That God is greater and he has a plan and he will hold them. And like I said, I do homeschool. So I've taken myself out of that distance learning <laughs> equation a long time ago, but I've needed the reminder that what I'm doing it significant. Sometimes in all this time to be at home, it feels, I have felt insignificant. Like, what am I doing? Okay, if I'm not planning these outings, are we just sitting at home? If this doesn't feel successful, I just hope and pray that for each one of you mamas, you find, like Heather was saying, what makes your household the most peaceful? Um, because I feel like getting through this in the healthiest mental space possible is what is going to make us feel successful. Not necessarily if our children are reading at the grade level they should be, if they're doing their sight words, 
I feel like if we emotionally feel well, it's going to help us. And you mamas are equipped for that and you're courageous and your children are miracles. And I pray that you hold on to that truth. That's good verse. Micah went ahead and posted the poem for you on the side there or in the comments, but I'm just going to read this last part because this is where we're headed friends. All right. So the water is still flowing and you are still growing. You are not out of sight of endless, boundless, glorious light. You have already come so far, mama. So trust for these new unknowns. You are more prepared for the journey than you think. So that is all we've got for you, friends. And we're so honored to get to spend this hour and seven minutes together. <laughs> <laughs> and so thankful, Jessica, that you invited us to hang out with you guys. Oh, thank you so much for being here. I hope somebody was taking notes because I was just trying to be so present. But you guys said so many things that brought chills. And I will, I'm going to hold on to those. And I know that everyone who is a part of this call are going to hang on to those things that you said. And I'm just going to tell myself when Ryan is irrational and anxious that he is my miracle. Ryan, you are a miracle. And I'm going to hold on to that. And thank you for being so real. I so appreciate that you didn't gloss over this with being Sally Sunshines, just really telling us how you really feel and how hard it really is and just what you've been through and, um, and what you're learning because we're learning with you and we're listening and well, thank you, Mercedes, Micah, and Heather. Thank you so much for sharing. I so appreciate you being here. And we will have you back. Yay. We'd love, love to have you back. In Let's person. check in again in another few months and see how everybody's doing. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. If you follow along on social, you'll find out when, when I pull my children from school. <laughs> and then I don't know what we're going to do. That's part of the problem because I don't yes. have school. And so right. Hopefully next time we all get together, scene five will be, now there's a vaccine. Now what? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Back to normal. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hopefully the next time we're all together, we can be together in person. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We would love that. Well, well we'll reach out again. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Thanks, Thanks everybody for now. coming tonight. Bye. 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 Before we sign out, let's hear a word from our sponsor. This week's episode is sponsored by the one and only Jonas Paul Eyewear. Jonas Paul Eyewear was founded by Ben and Laura Harrison when their son, Jonas, was born nearly blind at birth. This was extremely unexpected news that no parent prepares for, but it gave them a window into the world of blindness, and it helped them start their company, Jonas Paul Eyewear, which is on a mission to help kids feel beautiful and confident in their glasses. Head to JonasPaulEyewear.com to learn more. We want to thank Jessica and all of the amazing mamas who are a part of the We Are Brave Together family. We're so grateful we got to spend this evening with you. And as always, we want to thank you, our dear listeners, for listening. We want to thank our editor, Josh Avis, and our producer, Valerie Schleter. 
our sponsor, and all of you who have shared the Lucky Few podcast with friends and who have listened faithfully and who continue to cheer us on. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to theluckyfewpodcast.com, head to our Patreon link and learn more about how you can support the podcast and join the Patreon community. And remember that you are, dear listener, supporting your loved one with Down syndrome or any child with a disability. You are a shouter of worth and a narrative shifter. So keep on keeping on. We are cheering for you and we can't wait to be together on the next episode of the Lucky Few Podcast. See you later. Thank you.